privately, I get people messaging me saying, you made me feel okay to like go to the beach in my one piece. Or like, I was scared about summer and now I feel better. Or like, thank you for putting that picture up. And I didn't intend me putting up photos of myself to be like a body positive thing. But in a way, I guess it feels like you're representing somebody. Welcome to Claiming Your Confidence, the podcast. I'm Katrina Blowers, and as a journalist, speaker, and mentor, I know what it's like to have confidence. I also know what it's like to have to dig really deep and find it all over again. I've interviewed hundreds of high-profile people, and this is what I know for sure. We all suffer fear, imposter syndrome, and self-doubt, no matter how shiny our life appears to be. So let's reframe the confidence conversation together and uncover the hacks and secrets to get more of it. Claiming your confidence starts now. If you're one of the millions who've fallen in love with the dreamy aesthetic behind fashion labels Spell and the Gypsy Collective, then you've admired the work of marketing and content genius Mel Carrero. Mel says the secret to creating content that sells is to tell a compelling story, but it's actually Mel's own story of embracing body confidence that's rapidly gaining her a loyal following and inspiring other women to feel better about the skin they're in. In this incredible chat, you'll learn how Mel created her dream job, what she's learned about confidence from working with some of the world's best-known influencers, how to take advantage of the evolving opportunities for more diverse voices in the changing media landscape, and how Mel learned to own and celebrate who she is. Let's claim our confidence with Mel Carrero. Mel, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for making time to talk to me. Of course, my pleasure. (laughs) Now, we always begin these podcast interviews, though, because I don't have video. It's just an audio thing, asking all of our guests what you're wearing right now (laughs) and where you are so people can picture you in their minds. (laughs) Okay. It's not very glamorous, but um, I'm actually wearing... New Spell Leopard track pants and like very bougie studded shoes, which was the nice part of the outfit. However, the top I was wearing today um, just got baby milk spilled all over it because I went to visit my friend on the way home before doing this podcast. And for some reason, the milk um, from the bottle like spilled all over my shirt. So now I'm wearing like a sweatshirt that says Montauk that I bought in Montauk last year and I am sitting in my back room which is the only space in my house that is yet to be renovated me and my husband have been renovating our house for five years and when I say me I haven't been doing any of it he's been doing all of it Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm watching the sunset outside my window so it's kind of very messy in here but a beautiful view Oh my gosh, that sounds so beautiful. And um, leopard print tracksuit pants and studded sneakers sounds pretty awesome to me, I've got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, they're very comfortable and very cool. Um, yeah, and I'm in Lismore as well in terms of location. So everyone would kind of know you where you're at right now, which looks like the big success story, but there's always a path to get there. And I know from you that you, like another guest of mine, Samantha Wills, you grew up in Port Macquarie. So how amazing that a small town like Port Macquarie has produced all of these incredible creatives. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I'm in the same league as Samantha Wills, but I'm totally not. Samantha Wills, um, she's a friend of mine, but we didn't grow up together or anything. She was um, a few years older than me in school, so I think like maybe when she would have been in year 11, I would have been in year 7, but she's definitely an idol of mine. Like I feel like a lot of my marketing inspiration came from her brand and I have been working with her like even before I worked at Spell for many years um, as a fan of the brand and then shooting her content to like wearing it as well so um yeah my journey with her in particular is amazing but Port Macquarie yeah we've got we've got Brittany Hockley from The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise who's from there who's amazing and the girls who own Zulu and Zephyr are actually also from Port Macquarie in terms of the fashion space. That's just extraordinary, isn't it? I love that. Port Macquarie represent. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what were you like when you were little? Because I know a lot of people have spoken about the job that you do now and how you've literally kind of invented it because this job that you do didn't exist when you were a little girl. So were you creative right from when you were little? Yes, I would say so. I mean, a lot of the pictures of me when I'm a small girl, I'm like drawing on a chalkboard or like crafts and things. I definitely wasn't like an outdoorsy kid as much as I was a creative kid. And whether that was like, you know, making up a dance or performance or making something, um, definitely. And I read that one of your jobs that you had um, when you were at school was working at Sports Girl. Is that right? At uni, yes. At uni. I worked at Sports Girl as well. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I feel like so many people I know like – you know, in the industry sort of had a career in sports girl. <laughs> I got so lucky because when all of my friends were working at McDonald's, I, I was 15 or 16 and so I was still at high school and I somehow landed this job at Sports Girl and they made me visual merchandiser and it was just the most incredible job because I got to, you know, dress the mannequins and walk around saying, you know, oh, I think that pile of T-shirts would look better over here. <laughs> my friends were so jealous. When I was in high school, I was working like at a fish and chip shop. I was definitely not in fashion retail. If I was, that was like the dream to like work in fashion. No way. No, because there wasn't enough in Port Macquarie, I don't think. Like the shopping centre there, yeah, like it would have just been employing like more local, not older people, but not high school students, that's for sure. It's only fast food. I think you could get a job in back then. Now, Samantha Wheel said that, you know, in order to be it, you have to see it. And I know growing up in, in Port, um, you you obviously loved fashion, but where did you get kind of the dream that would take you along your path? Where did you see that inspiration? Here's the funny thing. I don't think that I even considered a career in fashion until after I left school. So I didn't study like textiles or anything at school. Um, it just wasn't something I thought about. What I wanted to do was become a video editor. Ah. So I like applied for my degree and then I had moved to Sydney for my gap year and sort of started falling in love with fashion. And a friend of mine who's also from Port was studying fashion design and sort of inspired me because I really loved going op shopping and I loved styling my friends like all through high school where I would go pick out their social outfits or a good friend of mine used to do like modeling competitions and I would like pick her outfits for her. So I definitely was styling people all along and like since I was a kid dressing up my Barbies, but I didn't think about that as a job until my friend was like, you should do something in fashion. And I was like, oh, maybe I should, but I'd already um, chosen my degree and gotten into my degree. So and what was that? I did a Bachelor of Media um, majoring in video production and minoring in marketing oh, and journalism as well. <laughs> yeah, so it was nothing to do with fashion. You worked for a stint at the Northern Rivers Echo, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And so you were, you were obviously honing your photography skills and I read that you were styling your friends and taking photos of that and what you didn't realise then was that you're actually creating content. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> what we call content now. Yes, yeah, it wasn't called content then. I don't know what it was. Photo shoots <laughs> and just for fun, no reason, no money. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, and so like that, those early days of, you know, just taking pictures of your friends at festivals and things like that you know going back to confidence I guess that was a beautiful opportunity for you to start building that confidence in your creative vision um, and what sets you apart from other people um, quite early on just describe how you kind of got that creative vision and create and developed that for yourself honestly I think because I was doing my degree here in Lismore at Southern Cross University but had this real passion for fashion but I just like wanted to work in fashion so I had like part-time jobs in fashion um like just fashion retail chains one of them being sports girl diva a few others um I just really I knew that I wasn't going to well I thought I wasn't going to be, be able to get the job that I wanted here so whilst I was here and not knowing like when I could move to Sydney, I got the Northern Ribs Echo job and started shooting that content then. Then I worked for a boutique marketing firm and then I was the marketing manager for the shopping centre here, Lismore Square. And during that time, I tried to 
make that role fashion orientated, but it wasn't really going to happen because the stores there weren't, you know, fashion, fashion. There wasn't even sports girl in that center. It was oh, like, Oh goodness. What kind yeah. of center is this? <laughs> I know <laughs> the sports girl here is downtown because the rent is really cheap. Um, but it's like Noni B and, you know, um, Suzanne Gray and the like. So it was never going to be that job. So I continued doing photo shoots with friends or sometimes turning into paid work, like pretty much every single weekend while I worked there. I guess in the back of my mind, it was just like, I need to have something extra on top of what I'm doing in marketing to show somebody in Sydney when I'm applying for a job that I can do this. So it was kind of like me building a portfolio, I guess. I wasn't thinking about it like to build a following or anything like that. It was more like, oh, if I have this like work portfolio of extra stuff that I do, and connect to certain people that it will help me. And obviously it did, but not in the way I thought it would. I know. And that's what I love about life and looking back and joining all the dots is that you always tend to get there. You get to your goal, but never really in the way that you think you're going to, right? Yeah, no way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you did make it to Sydney for a little bit, didn't you? Prior. No. So I never went back. I lived there for Ah. about nine months between school and university. And all I wanted to do the whole time I was at uni and some years after it was get back to Sydney because I really loved working there. And I thought this is the only place I'm going to be able to have that dream career in some sort of fashion, like either magazine, e-commerce, brand, whatever it was. And so when you were doing all of these shoots with your friends on the weekends and styling them and all the rest of it, were you trying to, were you consciously trying to create like your own aesthetic or were you borrowing from other creative influences? How did you come up with your own thing? I think, oh, that's a tough one because the original reason I started taking the photos myself is just because I couldn't afford a photographer. So I didn't really want to be a photographer. I wanted to be a stylist. So it wasn't necessarily me creating a photography aesthetic, no. And I don't even know if I really have one other than at festivals. Like I don't think that I have a signature look to this day of how I shoot, um, not my own content of me in it, obviously, but like when I shoot other people, I used to shoot other people. So I would say, yes, probably was trying to borrow from other people who were inspiring me because I don't think I really cared about being a good photographer. It was more like what was in it. Yeah. So I have read that when you were applying for the job at Spell, which was Spell in its infancy back then when you were really keen to get on board, it must have been a fledgling company or was it already established? It was It was about six years old at the time and they were established in the sense that I was probably like employee number 25 or something like that. I don't even know. I should find out that number. Um, <laughs> definitely not small. They had just had a growth spurt essentially. But since that time, I think that it the company would have maybe tripled. Yeah. It, it's definitely um, exploded onto a lot of people's consciousness now. I read that when you were applying for the job, it was after you had read Lisa Messenger's book, Daring and Disruptive. Did that light a bit of a fire in you, did it? I think lighting a fire is probably like too much, but what it did was made me realise after I read it that I don't want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I think like... Not, nothing to do with like I thought the book was super inspirational but I was like, you know what, I don't really care about having my own company. I just want to work for somebody or something that I really believe in and I loved the job that I was in at the time. The company that owns Lismore Square are like super awesome family run. It's definitely not like a big shopping centre, you know, horrible people. They're amazing family run business but it was never going to be what I wanted it to be in terms of like the full fashion focus and I really loved Spell. So I had been doing work with them and I was like, this is what I, I want to do. I just want to work for somebody else. And so the book taught me that I didn't want to be an entrepreneur and I don't know why it gave me the confidence to text the owner of Spell and ask if there was any jobs. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did and I'm sure they're glad you did. So um, speaking of confidence, to put yourself forward, I mean, it, the company was only six years old, but it was already a really successful brand. Um, it was a step up for you at that point in your career. How did you sell that vision to them? Because there was a job going. It's not exactly the job that you do now, though, is it? 
Well, the thing was that there wasn't a job going. So I had been doing festival photography work for about six months. So I had done Splendor in the Grass and the first Splendor I, I worked with Spell On, we like I shot a viral photo of a model called Annalise McLaughlin and it went really well. And it was like awesome for all of us, I guess, because they got super good engagement. The model like doubled her following overnight, like she went from 7,000 to 15,000 followers overnight. I gained lots of followers from taking the picture too. Um, so we had this great working relationship and I guess a rapport like between me and Elizabeth, one of the owners of Spell. We hadn't met in person at this time. And then I shot Falls Festival for them. And then it was during that Christmas break that I read Daring Disruptive and texted her. I just said to her, if there's ever any jobs going, like I'd love to like think about like joining the Spell team. But I didn't mean the job that they had. I was like, I'll go pack orders in the warehouse and work my way up. I didn't really care what it was. I just was like, I need to do this because I was just over the other job. So I I was willing to take pay cuts, whatever it was. What happened was the day that I messaged her, my predecessor who I'm good friends with now, Jamie Lee, who was um, at Spell from the very beginning, had resigned because she had gone through like probably like a pretty hectic three years with Spell's growth. And they, they were basically at the time when I came on board where they were staffing it, you know, they had the money to finally staff the company, but she had obviously like worked so, so much and was ready to like, have her next challenge so the day that I messaged she resigned so the owner was like whoa this feels very kismet but they still went and advertised the role and I applied as per normal but yeah I kind of had a foot in to say because they knew who I was and what I did but they just thought I was a full-time photographer they didn't even know my other job Oh my gosh. So do you feel like in those early days, were you just kind of pinching yourself and almost like faking it till you make it a little bit? <laughs> um I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm perfect for this podcast. No, um, I think everybody was learning and I probably was pretty confident because I was pretty good at my previous job and like, I mean, the people who I worked for at The Square was so supportive and my previous boss to that too had the boutique marketing firm was so supportive in like how good they thought I was. Like a lot of my bosses, I've been so lucky in my time, like even my retail managers and everything have been so supportive and believed in me so much because I guess when I work somewhere, I just like work there with like 150% passion and like go at it and work super hard and put in extra hours or whatever it needs to be. So I was confident that like I had enough passion to do this and I was confident in my connections. I had an interview right before Spell with another fashion brand who's based in Byron and they ended up saying no to me because they said that, I didn't have a little black book of contacts for them. However, at that time I was working at the square, so I had no need for it, but I had been shooting like um, Jasmine Howell, who is the blogger friend in fashion. And I was making these connections anyway. Like I shot Rocky Barnes, who was one of the big, well, she still is one of the biggest American influencer models. So for no reason at all, I was making these connections. So I knew if I had a brand to work with that I would 100% be able to make those connections. But they kind of weren't willing to take a chance, which is fine. But I guess like during that time, I was like, okay, I need to make these connections. So I tried to manage one of my friends who is an influencer to help during that time and then got the job at Spell shortly after. So I think I was pretty confident. And then the second thing to that was my manager actually came from Samantha Wills. So the good part was that when she was managing me, I knew everything she had just done in her previous job in terms of marketing because I'd been following the brand so closely that like we were able to work on super cool ideas as well. So yeah, definitely like obviously there's imposter syndrome moments, but I have a very close relationship to the owner, Elizabeth, and we think the same. So it kind of just felt like it's okay. Like, yeah, like there might've been times that I stuffed up, but not really. We just kind of were all growing and learning as we went. Yeah. And going back, how many years ago was this when you joined Spell? It was five years ago in April. Okay. So, yeah. well, congratulations. Um, back then, like five years ago, I know, you know, it's it's not that long ago, but it is in other respects in that the way that marketing is done now is quite different, I guess, to a year ago, two years ago, let alone five years ago. And you were talking about influencers. Yes. 
getting your head around all of that and that evolving nature of the way that you can market a product now and on all the different platforms, is that something that you've always been really excited to dive into? I know you had your blog, The Chubby Fashionista, which is such a cute name. You had that and so you've always been involved in digital media. Um, Yeah, where did you get that sort of passion from? I don't even know why I started a blog. Uh, we, I think we were made to start a blog during, we had like a digital media unit at university. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to start doing blogs, but I was going to write. I was all like, I'm going to be a writer. That was like my thing. And I'm not even that great at writing, but that's what I was going to do. And then obviously it turned more creative um, with the photography element. But I don't know if I was necessarily passionate about it per se, but yeah, I definitely get excited about new platforms and like how can we like manage this social media or like a new function for sure. Yeah. And the last five years, I'm sure you've seen, like you must have had to just evolve constantly with the way that you're marketing products. You must have seen some real changes over that time. I think there's just been more and more ways to present it in terms of obviously different platforms and then different features. So when I started like Instagram was still Spell's number one priority and it's up there to this day because they had like a pretty big following at the time and it was before the algorithm had come in, for example. So everything was in a timeline. So anybody who followed you saw everything, et cetera. And that was how they had built the brand essentially. So it was the priority. But, yes, we didn't have Snapchat. We didn't have Instagram stories or any of that. So there's just been like it's evolving when it comes to the type of content that we're creating, but I guess the basics of the business in terms of marketing or PR is the same because it's all based on relationships and all of that. So I know there's no like real typical day for you just in (laughs) terms of us trying to organise this interview, like I'm here this day and I'm doing this on another day. I was like, wow, that's really cool. What? But what kind of things, like if there was sort of a a common denominator, like what are are the kinds of things that you do in, in a typical quote unquote day? (laughs) it's definitely more typical since COVID has come through the world Um, because obviously I used to travel all the time as well so there definitely wasn't a typical day Um, these days it's it's quite different because you know you can't gather you can't travel uh, so it's a bit different but I guess what's a typical day when it comes to like being in the office I'll just give an example for the office it could be one of many things but there might be like strategizing type of meetings which that's something that's changed in my role over the five years that I've become more senior in the company obviously um working my way up so we might be like looking at overall strategy or working through our marketing calendar and all of that um I could be helping copywriting I could be doing content I could be posting to social media and then like other times it's like PR appointments in our store um, because Byron's like crawling with celebrities at the moment. (laughs) It really does change so much day to day. Um, Lately I've been in with the design team as well, like reviewing collections with them. Yeah, it's just so varied all the time. Now, as the spell juggernaut has has grown, so too have the profiles of the team that the creative team behind the scenes, including you. Uh, you've got a you've got a really sizable following on Instagram. Your Instagram feed is is really beautiful. Talk to me about when you started to step out and um, showcase yourself a bit more, and what that was like. Uh, well, thank you. First of all, uh, well. Okay, so I had already been posting a lot to my Instagram prior to Spell. I was like not quite on 10,000 followers yet when I started working there. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't step in front of the camera at that time. I think it took me a few years um, after Spell that I started being in front of the camera more because back in the day, I guess I grew my following by being a photographer essentially. So I was posting models all the time. And a lot of people would like message me like, I don't get why your blog's called the chubby fashionista. If you're shooting models all the time, like who are skinny, (laughs) I would be like, I don't know. It's kind of like a play on me. Like I am the chubby fashionista, but I also like 
never got to wear what I wanted to wear kind of thing. So I'm like dressing these people up. Like it, it didn't really make sense, let's be honest. Um, but I never like as the chubby fashionista really got in front of the camera that much. I don't know why I started to do it. I think originally when I used to post myself, I would lose followers and get really bad engagement compared to the other stuff I did. And then it sort of started to switch where you're right. It could be like the fact that I became more of a personality at Spell that people were more interested in me and my life working there as opposed to like the content that I was shooting outside of that or inside of that. So I guess it could have been that. And I guess like the more encouragement you get from people, the more you decide to do it. So I don't even know like if there was like a moment where it began and I like consciously decided to do it. Was that a little bit daunting at the beginning when people started to know who you were and were sort of actively seeking you out as opposed to knowing your work? Um, I don't think that it's really been a thing until lately, to be honest, like, not that I'm saying I get recognised. <laughs> no, no. um, but yeah, like in terms of people like spell community requesting me to specifically like try something on or like people messaging me and saying like, I don't know, just random things that you wouldn't ask somebody you don't know kind of thing. But that, yeah, that feels like something that's quite recent, I yeah. guess. Not that I've had like a quick following boost or anything recently it's definitely grown like very slowly over time but I don't think that they're really yeah has been like a time that it felt like that people were recognizing me or anything like that yeah I'd love to go back to something you said when you were talking about the chubby fashionista and why there weren't many photos of you on there at least initially and you and you were saying how you know a lot of the clothes that were on the models they were skinny so you weren't really wearing those clothes um you know nowadays people as you mentioned are specifically requesting they want to see you in the latest spell clothes because they feel like you are more representative of who they are and what they look like what a turnaround and how amazing right oh it's pretty cool I mean even like the way the fashion industry is going starting to extend size ranges and things like obviously diversity like interestingly people say oh it's a trend but I mean obviously it's a trend to stay because people want to see more representation and we get that engagement it is yeah it, it is kind of a cool turnaround and I think, you know, something you said is the industry is changing and it's opening up because of the demand of people. And we we have people who are like, they have their own creative license. So it's like you can choose who you want to follow and people can put themselves out there and it doesn't really matter like what size they are or anything. It's just like, do you do good content? Is this someone that you want to follow, right? So I guess I'm finding it more interesting and more inclusive because there are so many more creators out there able to like make a living from this and that might be from their particular niche or what they look like or what they're putting out there. So I, I truly believe that where some people say that Instagram is is bad for mental health and I understand it could be, I also think it's it's broadened what people are seeing because it was very rare to see diversity in a magazine really. Yeah and and I think this is such a beautiful time. I mean I work in mainstream media so I know this is probably not a popular viewpoint because um, you know in terms of mainstream media losing a lot of revenue because it is splintering and niching. um, I actually see the opportunity and I think it's so fantastic that people who would not normally have access or have a voice on a broadcasting platform can now, you know, reach millions of people via the phone in their pocket. Like what a cool time to be alive. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, you posted something recently that I would love to um, have a chat to you about. It was a really raw and honest post um, and you were saying that a lot of people ask you in Q&As and DMs about your body and body confidence and you say, would you know it, I'm not that confident. Yeah, sure, I post photos on Instagram and even some in a bikini, but remember that they are controlled by me poses. I like the shape of myself in and they're filtered um, and you just go on to talk really openly about how it's not always 
you don't always jump out of bed going, woohoo, <laughs> you know, I feel amazing. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and the confidence that you've been able to dig deep and draw upon to post some of those beautiful pictures of you in bikinis and you in underwear and you by the pool. Um, yeah, talk to us about where that comes from and what you tell yourself. Mm, I'm trying to think of like when might have been the first time I had posted a picture like that. Let me tell you, and this is the same of all of my, I have a lot of friends who are plus size models in the industry, like not necessarily influencers or they're a little bit of a hybrid of both. And like the bikini photos get the engagement. I don't know like why people want to see skin, but they do. Um, <laughs> it's probably the same for people who aren't plus size, let's be honest, because I don't know, people just, the human body. Um, so I guess like that, that's part of the confidence, what my husband would call the dopamine hit of getting Instagram likes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's definitely like a thing, I guess, like if you're getting encouraged and people are like going, yay, you know, this is great. I love this. You look awesome. You go, okay, well let's give the people what they want. But oh my gosh, there's always a first time where you're pressing the publish button and then you're sitting there going, (gasps) What have I done? <laughs> you think I would remember the first time, but I, I don't know if I do. I'd have to like scroll back and work that out. But definitely that feedback. But not only that, privately, I get people messaging me saying, you made me feel okay to like go to the beach in my one piece or like I was scared about summer and now I feel better or like thank you for putting that picture up. So it's like this weird like, in a way, and I didn't intend to be putting up photos of myself to be like a body positive thing at all, but in a way I guess it feels like you're representing somebody, which is so strange. But, yeah, it's this it's odd thing because people just assume that like because I'm a certain size that like it, that I represent body confidence. Yeah. But I was like, I just want to put out like the pictures that I see other people doing on me. Like who cares about what size I am? But they do. People focus on it. I'd love to know too because, you know, you work with a lot of models and celebrities who do have, um, you know, like they've got that body shape that I think 0.02% of the population has and you're around those people Ah, where do you get that self-talk? Where you, where, how do you, how do you do that? I think I would really find that tough. I don't. <laughs> I find this funny question. Somebody um once in a Q and A asked something similar, or like, how do you find being plus size in the fashion industry? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really think about it. I I'm weird. I think I'm weird compared to other people. Same thing when it comes to Instagram and people saying they compare themselves to other people. It's not often that I'm doing that and it's not because I don't look at them and go, oh, my gosh, like like I want that body because I definitely do, but I don't let it affect like how I feel about me and I don't know if it, that is because I'm so different to them in size. So I'm like I know that size six is never achievable for me unless I like literally stop eating and I would rather not. <laughs> I don't believe that I am Kate Moss's um, quote of what is it? Nothing is as good Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Which is hideous, a hideous quote. Hideous quote. Nobody listened to that quote and I don't believe it because I was like, that bitch has never eaten garlic bread. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't compare myself. And you know what? Those people do not give a shit. It's not like they're judging you because you're not their size. They don't care. They just want to be treated like anybody else. And I've met models, would you believe? I don't know if I even believe them, but like I've met models who are rake thin and they're like, oh, I like really wish I had more curves like you. I'm like, yeah, right. But they've said it. So I don't know. You know? Mm, yeah, everyone always wants what they don't have. And we should point out here that you you are curvaceous. You're, you know, you you're stunning. I feel like by asking you these questions, I, I feel a little self-conscious myself because I'm like, I don't want to make you feel like I'm criticizing you in any way or pointing you out as being different because you're not. I think what everyone loves and the reason why so many spell customers ask if you can specifically try outfits on is because it's so refreshing to see someone represented in such a glamorous way who looks just like the rest of us yeah and I think that might be the difference and no I don't I don't take offense because it's like it's the realistic like I'm very real about that in the sense that I know what the fashion industry is like I know that there's not represent representation like me I've never really been one to like fight or even like 
think about that though, which is the strange part. That's not why I started taking pictures of myself to fill a gap that I didn't think was there. Um, that wasn't why. I didn't ever look at a magazine and go, I'm not represented. I, I, I think when I go to Instagram or I go to those platforms or I look at fashion, it's like escapism and I want to see the beautiful and obviously there is an element of clothing that looks maybe nicer on a, you know, a hanger type body. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that never really was the reason at all. Um, but I guess that's probably more what I'm aiming for now because when I do look at um, not so much like the Aussie plus size model community are like super cool, but if you look for plus size influencers, and I don't even love that word, but you know what I mean, women who aren't a size eight or them over a 12, in the States and stuff, a lot of the women that I follow in that scene are quite commercial looking and they're always like smiling and like, I've got to be like, I'm big, but I'm happy, you know, vibe. Mm. And I just, I want to post pictures like my friends, you know, that are influencers who are doing cool fashion shit, you know, and that's what I want to do too, because that's what I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the representation I would be wanting to put out there myself. Well, it's really resonating with people as you as you would well know. And that's the other beautiful thing about social media is you do get that engagement and people are really responding to it. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on where you see the future of social media going, like crystal ball gazing. I feel like there is more of a desire for realness um, on our social feeds now and, and a bit of a rejection of perfectionism. Yeah, I definitely can see that. And I've noticed, um, you know, a couple of influencer friends of mine, one in the States who she actually has like a content creator course and a lot of her training and like her, basically she talks about how she grew like 100,000 followers in a year because she became more real. So she was striving completely for perfectionism and the best photo but was completely depressed behind the scenes. And then when she sort of started opening up about the struggles she was having, she grew because she was being more real. I think there will be that demand but then like there are some people who want to go to that platform for inspiration, escapism, just to see beautiful things and like the beauty in the world because there's enough crap out there, there's enough depressing things out there. So I'm a little bit on the fence of that. Um, particularly like with Spell, like obviously we've been a brand that like puts out inspiration through imagery. So I want to see prettiness and things and to escape from the realness as Mm. well. But that doesn't mean that it can't be a beautiful, diverse picture range. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see like somebody's like, I don't know, crappy morning or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Or their dirty shower. I don't don't need to see that. I would love to ask you now a little bit about what you think the secret sauce has been to Spell's success. This is a brand that women are, and men, but mostly women are, just uh, fanatical about like your your collections sell out straight away like as soon as they go online um, people are really engaged in the spell ethos what do you think it is about your brand that really just sweeps people away oh I think there's a there's a combination of many things I think It's so hard to explain it without saying this icky word of authenticity, but the the owners of Spell to this day, like it's almost, so it's 11 years old, they are so authentic with what they want for the brand and what they design. Like it's never really looking to anybody else, going towards the trends, any of that. It's just this heart and soul of what they love. Um, and Isabella, the designer, um, so this, uh, if, if anybody listening, I guess, doesn't know what spell is, it's founded by two sisters. Isabella is the designer and Elizabeth is the chief brand officer, so more the marketing side of things and the business side of things. So they're kind of like a yin and yang and that's why I guess it's successful in the sense that one of them, um, they're both creative, but one of them was the creative when it came to design and the other one like helped the business and she's excellent at that without any formal training. So I think it's it's just that heart and soul. Like there's a heart and soul behind the brand. There's a personality behind the brand and you can't emulate that if it's not real. 
you know, there's there's other brands around that try and take that vibe, but it's never going to speak as true to people as that. I think too, like there's a couple of things like I put the brand success down to in the early days. One of them is the content that they put out there. I think they were excelling like prior to my time um, and obviously during my time and now, um, but they excelled at putting out beautiful photo shoots and they were like creating their own editorials similar to how I was doing when I was doing my own blog. They couldn't get in Vogue and they couldn't get in this magazine. So like, oh, well, we'll create our own photo shoots that are cool. So they sort of did it themselves and that started getting, you know, viral on Pinterest and Instagram and they grew their following. So I think the imagery that they put out there, they invested in their campaigns from a really early stage and nobody was doing that. Like people would do like a wholesale lookbook and a studio shoot or whatever, but they weren't putting out really good pictures. So that's one thing. And then the other part is the prints. Isabella literally like thinks for days on end about a color combination and I think that's what sets Spell apart from other you know, what you would call like in the bohemian niche brands because the print colour combinations and the type of prints that she um, gets put together I think are so special and unique and make people feel awesome and happy. Yeah, so fascinating. Um, yeah, watching from afar and, and seeing just the explosion that, that and, yeah, the juggernaut, I've used that word before, that, that has been your brand. What advice would you have for someone who, you know, they, they want to get into that world of content creation, um, they don't know where to begin, they want to develop their own sort of thing. What advice would you have? For a person or a brand? I would say for an individual who's looking to, you know, because as I said before, like your job that you have now didn't really exist. You sort of created it by cobbling together bits and pieces and I guess just following your passion. Um, what would you say to somebody else who is feeling a little lost, what wants to kind of get into the kind of thing that you're doing but doesn't know where to begin? First of all, you better be bloody committed to be married to your phone. Um, I'm pretty sure that when I look at my like screen time, it's the scariest thing ever, but I have like a whole other full-time job on my phone, which is terrible. Like I definitely have some sort of addiction, but in a way it's kind of like a game. You have to be engaging with the community and be playing to the, the platform in terms of Instagram to make it a success and then you have to be committed to content creation. Um, some people are quite lucky and they just, you know, authentically put out really good content, grow a following and, and it grows from there and other people have to try a bit harder just depending on what you put out there. But you do need that that creative element and I guess almost like a certain scrutiny of what you put out there. And one, um, an influencer who's one of the OGs of Australia called Zanita. I did a photography course with her, um, like a digital photography course many, many years ago. And the one thing she said that stuck with me is you're only as good as your worst image. So if you're wow. put out, I know if you're only going to put out like, or put out a picture that you're not like hundred percent happy with, then, you know, that's the standard that you have sort of thing. So I guess like really my advice would be like, yeah, you've got to be ready to do the hard work and, I guess, no, is it for you? Like, can you actually take a good picture? Are you willing to get in front of the camera? Those kind of things. And it is like putting yourself out there as a person in front of the world is not that I'm saying I'm in front of the world, but, you know, like people who do this for a living, it's it's not easy. Um, it's not the hardest job in the world, of course, and it's definitely not the most important job in the world, but it's not easy as well. Like a lot of these women have worked really hard and I think people discount that when it comes to influencers in particular. Mm, so Yeah, and people who don't really understand what goes on behind it and see it all as a bit of fluff or a folly or whatever. Oh, people gawk at like what some some of my friends would charge for an Instagram post. But I was like, they've been spending years. Like I've been on Instagram for 10 years or longer. Oh, no, 10 years, yeah, 10 years now I think. So like I've been on there as long as Spell and that's how long it's taken for me to grow this following. And I, I know many people around me who have grown their following like tenfold mine in, in much less time. So it does take time and it does take a lot of work. Like you've got to be committed to it. And I know a lot of people who like start doing it thinking they'll get free stuff or whatever and then they realise, hey, this is not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, I would, we've come to the rapid fire question part of our chat now, and I would love to know what is your number one confidence tip that you would give someone, whether it be about body confidence or just showing up in general? I think physically, my number one tip is focus on your best asset instead of your worst. So if I'm like dressing in particular, I think, okay, I like my, my chest and decolletage and I like my small waist. So how am I going to dress for that? How am I going to put pictures up for that? Everything comes down to what I like, not what I don't like. Because I think that's what people focus on too much. Like, oh, you know, I have this weird part of my legs or I don't like my arms. Like who cares? What do you like? And then work with that. (laughs) And um, when it comes to confidence as a person, I find that a little bit harder to give people a tip on because I guess Obviously, I'm an extroverted personality, so I find confidence a little bit easier. I put myself out there and sometimes that's not a good thing because I don't have a filter so I can put my foot in my mouth often. (laughs) Uh, But I guess, I don't know, if if you are more quiet and you find it hard to speak up, it might be like planning your conversation or getting the knowledge behind you so you feel confident to do it. Whereas like I'll probably just speak even if I don't know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Now, is there a book that you've read or an inspirational quote that's helped you on your way in your confidence journey? Well, you brought it up. I, I forgot until you told me earlier this <laughs> I read Daring and Disruptive by Lisa Messenger, which gave yes. me confidence to ask Elizabeth for the job. I um didn't even remember that, which of course, like it's a big part of that story of me with Spell, but yeah. That's the thing. I went, I went dark web on you. I, <laughs> I dug up as much research as I could and I loved that. That's a really good book and we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Oh, the other book that I've read in terms of like entrepreneurialism or anything in that space, Girl Boss by Sophia Amoruso was so inspirational to me, but I was already at Spell. So that to me was more like learning about how they built the brand and how that applied to Spell. So it wasn't really something that gave me confidence, but in terms of that space, I love that book. Yeah, that is a good one too. I'd love to know, um, you don't have huge amounts of time in your life, but what do you do for pure joy, something that has no outcome attached to it? (laughs) Watch TV with my husband at night. What are you watching? Right now, what are we watching? We're sort of between. We just finished a show called His Dark Materials, I think it's called. It's like a book series that they turn into a TV show. It's kind of like Harry Potter vibes but a little bit more dark and that was pretty cool. And then we often are re-watching Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. I love Seinfeld and I just, there's nothing better. And I, we re-watch episodes of that all the time and they never get old. No, never. Except when they don't have phones. True. (laughs) And really high-waisted jeans on men, which I don't know, let's hope that never comes back in fashion again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are you working on right now in your confidence journey to take you to where you next want to be in your life? Oh, I think if, I don't know if anybody listening has been following me recently, but I just faced a big fear of mine. (laughs) So I hate exercising, like hate it. And obviously like, I don't know, is that a part of like the size that I am? I don't know, whatever. But during COVID, because I wasn't traveling as much and travel seriously screws up your exercise routine. I did a couple of PT sessions a week with a group of friends over the last few years and I loved that. But I always was going away. So it was really hard. Like people who exercise on a trip, I don't even know how they do it. Like I could never do it. I'm like going to bed at, you know, two in the morning because I'm jet lagged and then having to wake up at six to do whatever work I'm doing. So that I'm like, I don't have time to exercise. Otherwise I'll never sleep. So during COVID, I had finished up my gym membership locally and this Byron studio called Hustle, which I know the owner of and one of my dear friends is a trainer at, started doing online classes just like on their Instagram live every weekday. And I was like, okay, finally I can try this place because so many of my friends were going, but all of them are like size six to eight, wear crop tops. Like I saw the girls walking in and out because it's across the road from Spell and I was like, there is no way in hell I'm ever going to that studio. 
So I started doing it at home by myself and I ended up luckily launching an online platform that you could like subscribe to and do it at home at your leisure. The owner, who is this crazy Canadian person, she swears like a sailor on the platform. She's amazing, so, so funny and made like exercise fun for me at home, wrote to me on Instagram, was like, you have to come in. Otherwise, I'm going to find where your car is parked and rear-end it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, like I'm not, I can't, like there's no way. And I was so petrified. Anyway, I ended up doing it. I was like, I have to like face my fear. And it was the worst because they have two trainers online. One is Lexi, who is the owner, and one is Kika, who is another trainer. And I find her classes harder. So I was like, I'm never going to one of Kika's classes in person. So I booked in the class with Lexi. But uh, two days before, they were like, your trainer has changed, like, via email. (laughs) And I was going with a friend and I was like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, should we cancel? And I was like, no, like, I can't. I have to commit. I have to go. I was petrified, like, legitimately, like, I felt sick going in there and I was, like, shaking. So it's kind of a good thing because I had this weird adrenaline. I was able to, like, get through the class. But I faced my fear and I went in. So I guess... It's helping me with my confidence in a different way, not body confidence. I do feel a little bit more body confident since doing this Pilates training because I guess like I'm feeling my body tighten up and feel a little bit more fit and strong. But it's like confidence of like getting over it. Nobody even cares. Like I just had this weird thing in my head that like, oh, like everybody in Byron, which is so true, like everybody in Byron is small and beautiful. Um, but everybody at this place is going to be really fit and I'm going to look like an idiot because I don't know what I'm doing or I'm going to stop during it or whatever. And you know what? No one cares. And I had a really good time and I've been back four times since. <gasps> oh, I love that story so much, Mel. <laughs> Yay. Yay you. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for sharing everything that you shared with me today and your beautiful life story and giving us a few little peeks behind the curtain into the success of Spell as a brand as well as your own brand. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Stay connected by following Claiming Your Confidence or me, Katrina Blowers, on Instagram. For more information on this or other episodes, head to katrinablowers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and make sure you share it with anyone you think would benefit from a confidence pick-me-up. Claiming Your Confidence is created and produced by me, Katrina Blowers. Audio thanks to Turn. Term 6 podcast productions. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for listening to Claiming Your Confidence.